Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. $2 late fee. You have one new message. Hello, Zach and Dustin. This is Shabton, and since I didn't get a call back, I'm going to be taking over the universe. I hope this doesn't generate any hard feelings in the future. It has begun. Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats. You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them. All in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. Brian Thompson is today's guest on our show. You'll probably know him for playing a ruthless, cold-blooded villain in many films from the 80s and 90s. But today, you're going to hear a totally different side of Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson is our guest today. And also... Um, He's he's most well known, I think, for all of our our intents and purposes today as the Night Slasher from 1986's Cobra. We recently covered that two weeks ago. Go check it out. Enjoy it. Very uh, controversial episode. Zach uh, feels one way about it. I feel a little bit differently. But um, I think you said that Brian Thompson, um, if I'm not uh, mistaken, was your first uh, the first person to give you night terrors. He scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Um, did he scare me in today's interview? Oh, maybe a little bit at first, but... <laughs> An outstanding guest, um, a guest who is uh, very different from how he's been portrayed um, yes. on screen. He's very For different sure. from all of his characters. Um, very, very refreshing. And um, I think you guys will really, really love it. I think um, we do have some important uh, business to announce, do we not? Yes, we have breaking news, breaking news, breaking starting news. officially with this episode. $2 Late Fee, breaking news. Moving forward, $2 Late Fee will be running every single week from here on out. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the lineup will be proper episode, interview with guest, and then next week, $2, six questions will be coming to the free feed on $2 late fee. 
Moving forward, every $2 six question segment we do with a guest on $2 late fee will be put on the free feed and then following up at the end of the month, territory marks. Um, you might be confused. You might be saying, what is $2 six questions? Well, that is a Patreon exclusive up until now. Um, but the really cool thing is all of the questions that are asked in the $2 six questions, it's quite literal. There's, there's six questions. Uh, they all come from our patrons, our magnificent, magnificent patrons. Um, thank you to all of you. Um, but if you've, you know, if you've listened to the show and you, you thought to yourself, oh man, I, I wish I could ask some questions. Um, that's the place to do it. You go to patreon.com slash $2 late fee and you join up and the floodgates open and then you just, then your questions are asked. But it's, it's always uh, the most, the most fun that our guests have. It's always, the, that's always the point in the interview where they truly light up and ignite. Yeah. Every time, every single time we interview somebody. That's their favorite segment. And that's because of you guys. That's because of the patrons that have contributed the questions to our show. So if you want to be a part of that, sign up to our Patreon so you can ask the questions. But then now you'll be able to hear that segment for everybody. And if you're a patron to the whole world now, people are going to know that you asked that great question that Brian Thompson loved to answer. Because let me tell you, the $2 six questions segment you'll hear next week from him is really, really fun. It's quite outstanding. The whole world, the whole world will know. The whole world from I... here to Germany to Timbuktu. So, yep. uh, <laughs> and our Patreon has a bunch of other stuff on there. Tales from the video store. Uh, why does Zach own this? We do our monthly trivia contest and a whole lot more mix CDs, mix CDs, mix CDs. So if you're interested, check it out and you'll get to hear archive episodes of $2 six questions as well on the Patreon page. Like a glove. That's what it fit in like. Um, awesome. Well, listen, guys, we can't thank you enough. Enjoy this interview with Brian Thompson. And hopefully you don't get any night terrors listening to it. Too late. Say happy birthday to Daphne. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Daphne. to Daphne. Uh, my daughter is 33 years old today. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that you have a daughter that's 33. Does Daphne want to hear the uh, birthday song? We got a, I got a birthday song for you, Daphne. Oh, Hold wait on. a minute. He said he's got a birthday song. Turn up the volume. Here we go. Yeah. My wife taught me this. Here we go. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey. I like that one. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. And there's a depressing one too, but I won't do that one for you. So that's probably oh. best. Yeah. Well, I'd kind of like to hear the melancholy one after. Oh, yeah. Up. It's it's quick. It goes <laughs> death and sorrow and despair, people dying everywhere on your birthday, but it's your birthday. So happy birthday. <laughs> 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 I, mean, I gotta get the lyrics for that one oh, i'll write it down send it to you <laughs> it's poignant it it's so okay oh and and daphne oh by the way before you go daphne takes care of william shatner's horses oh and oh today on daphne's birthday will's horse had a baby hmm. and what is the horse's name 
Oh yeah, well, I, I I couldn't pronounce it. I saw the say, say the name, Daphne. He doesn't have a name yet. No name. Well, well, we're gonna think of one. We're gonna come yeah. up with yeah. a name and tell tell Bill that he's got to name it uh, the way we said. Y yes. Yeah, something. About... It needs a Star Trek name. We'd like sure. it in writing, if if that's yeah. possible. Yeah. Like, how about how about a two of the names of characters that I played? Uh, Clag Tamantarot. <laughs> Tell him that's Clag. What, Clag what a beautiful I'll, horse I'll, name. I'll text it to you. I'll text you the spell. Clag. And entering the arena, Clag yeah. Tamantarot. Yes. <laughs> There's something there. There is. I think it. We got it. You tell him, okay? Okay. Drive safe. Okay. Bye. Sounds a bit like Chevy Chase and Fletch when he's like Tom Turan Karungabung. So, <laughs> it's me, Doctor Rosen, penis. Doctor Rosen, Rosen. Doctor Rosen, Rosen. Uh, uh, Brian Thompson. What wow. a great way to start this interview. It's the best. This is the best start. This is the best start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it's it's Daffy's birthday, and uh, you know, wild thing, my my ex-wife, Daphne's mother, and my daughter, Daphne, uh, were born on the dates of probably what we consider the two most famous assassination <laughs> dates in history. Uh, I, I, I made you laugh. <laughs> Not as good as the demented birthday song, but uh, what are they? Okay, test question, name them, the two most, oh boy. The two most famous assassinations through all of history. Uh, Lincoln? Bingo, there we got one. Okay. What's two? Bingo. Dustin, you got they were They were successful attempts? Yes. Uh, Caesar? Uh, yes, very good. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we got it. At two, Brute. <laughs> wow. Yes. What's Amazing. In a name? Right. What is what is in a name? What's in a name? Um, how many kids you got? Uh, two. Uh, Daphne has an older brother who will be thirty-five in June. Wow. And he uh, he's uh, working in the electric vertical takeoff and landing uh drone delivery oh man it's, it's it's already more impressive than anything we do so and well and i you know he said dad how many how many companies think are trying to solve this equation i'm like uh, I don't know, a couple dozen dad over 200 worldwide are trying to get this issue solved Wow. Wow. The, wow. The, and the biggest thing to me, you know, after I, you know, I investigated a bit and watched it, the, to me, why it's going to be a really hard nut to crack, they're going to solve uh, autonomy. They're going to solve, uh, you know, energy uh, availability. But I don't know that they're going to solve the noise. You know, the ones that are this big. Yeah. Are, uh, yeah. Know, drown out conversation like this. <laughs> Now imagine right. one, you know, that's big enough to bring you a, a, a garbage can. Right. Right. Yeah. It it is weird when the military talks about like how they use it for, you know, certain certain tasks and missions, and you're like, can't they hear it coming in? Yeah, I think they can. Well, maybe, you know, maybe they've got 
you know, noise canceling speakers. They're <laughs> pointed up at the props. No, maybe maybe yeah. they're playing uh, Africa by Toto at the same time, and people are just so lulled into the, right. the comforting sounds of Toto, they they just forget all. <laughs> I, I just do Fly to the Valkyries, you know, like there you go. Sound yeah. drums right coming, coming over the horizon. It's true, That's and more then appropriate. you right, like oh, it, oh, it's just some drones. It's cool, but it, yeah, the music. <laughs> yeah, they're unarmed. It's just seven yeah. drones. Pay no Seven. attention to the conspiracy theorists. Nah. Those are, those are <laughs> yeah. benign yes. drones. So your son's a genius. Uh, your daughter is a uh, humanitarian in, in, in the sense that she's celebrating her birthday by, uh, you know, taking care of someone else's property. Or And here you are on our show. Yes. Can you see the rain or does it go by that? Does it go by too quickly? Well, I'm looking out the window of my rain, and, and currently, while we're recording this, we are in the middle of a another rainstorm here in Southern California. I was raised in the Pacific Northwest, so this is like, oh God, 30 inches of rain. You're setting a record. Yeah, we'll try 100. <laughs> I, I, I lived in 100 inches of rain until I was 21. What part of uh, Pacific Northwest? I was born in Ellensburg, Washington, which is dead center of the state now, and I, it, maybe it was one of those collegiate rumors but there was a geo you know geographic tag and here we go oh, that's the dead center of the state people would say that but i never had that verified it's pretty darn okay. close and then um my father was a teacher we moved to longview washington when i was four years old and he taught high school there longview is a, a mill town of seaport on the columbia river the columbia river hmm. For those of you from other parts of the world, you geocentric ignoramuses, the, uh, <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't mean that. No. Just a, that's just a fun word to say. But you're yes. also right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no the, one knows geography anymore. You know, the Columbia River is the 10th largest river in the world. You know, part of the, part of the lifeblood of that area. Mm. Wow. So that's, we, I grew up on a dead end road in the middle of the woods. Uh, two high schools in town, you know, two Bible high schools. You either a lumberjack or a monarch. And that wow. was the that was the war. Every sport, you know, standing room only at all of those events. Parents got in fights. Yeah, it was typical small town stuff. Meanwhile, you want to be an actor. Well, I did the uh the acting thing, it's really I like to highlight friendship and how, you know, you know, preparation meets opportunity. Some mm -hmm. some people's definition of luck. Uh, I didn't play sports in the spring. I went fishing. I was we we would. My dad would let me take his aluminum rip boat, which I still have the same exact boat. Oh, that's the cool. great thing about aluminum; it doesn't rot. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. Termites haven't figured out how to chew it yet, but they will someday. <laughs> mark my words. Uh, anyway, we go fishing, you know, and and maybe we would um, do a little. Uh, herbal duck, duck calls. We would, we would supplement. <laughs> we would supplement the sunny spring afternoons with some herbal supplements. Lovely, of course. And yes. uh, <laughs> what a uh, such a beautiful memory! Just this, you know, all the quiet of nature and the water going by, and your hmm. your fishing line just kind of drifting down. And just loving life. Anyway, uh, on this beautiful. particular yeah. episode, my mind run down branches that it hasn't run down for a while. Um, <laughs> Anyway, Paul Delashaw and I were on the swim team together, and I 
frequently gave him a ride home because his house was on the road on the way home. And I asked him if he wanted to ride home from school. And he said, no, I'm trying out for the school play. Brian, there'd be a part you'd be great for. And just to let you know what kind of a kind-hearted person Paul was, uh, he he was trying out for the same part. He had been in drama uh, for years, but I it was a part of a Russian ballet instructor. And he looked at me and goes, oh my God. I probably was the most Russian looking guy in the school looking back at it, you know, with the with the you know angular <laughs> skeletal face structure so yeah i got that part and it was the it was the most i love playing football i love competing and swimming i mean with with vengeance aggression and passion i love those things hmm. now exponentially square that and that's the enjoyment i got from being in this play wow now and, it, but your best friend tried out for the same part and didn't get it and was uh, absurdly happy that I was. I mean, not, oh, that's, wow. not that's a, a good friend. Not a second of man. You know, that's a good friend. Yeah. Did and he get another Paul, part though? Did no? Paul was not in the play. Really? Well, it, you know, there's only so many parts to go around. There was a young male, uh, an older grandfather, and this Russian ballet instructor. Hmm. There was a you can't take it with you, okay. uh, which is. Uh, Golly, you know what? I haven't done this before. Here, you, this is first. You can't take it with you. <laughs> but you okay? can take your laptop. I don't, with I don't have any posters. <laughs> uh, oh, here. Oh, here's another first. That's the largest steelhead my father ever caught. Wow. Twenty-eight pounds. That's amazing. Okay. Now here. <laughs> okay, we're running over here. There it is. This is the play. What? what? Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't take it with you. May 12th. Yeah, you can kind of tell how how long ago it was by how much they were charging for tickets down at the bottom. Students a dollar, adults two dollars. Mark yeah. Mor Morris drama. Yeah, Rick, get get out your loan applications. <laughs> amazing. So it's amazing that uh that's the play that I started with. And you know, now that I'm it's kind of hard to believe, but I I might be over the age of 60. And so the title of the play is is you know, resonates even deeper, way deeper than it did then. Way deeper. You can't take it with you. Of course. So that's where it all started. That's my long-winded run across the living room. Show you the now, poster. That's incredible. What I that love about that, only, though. That, I'm going to, that's possibly the only one of those posters in existence. It's beautiful calligraphy, by the way. Right. Yeah, there was, you know, I wonder if Jan Stump did that. My, 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 I, I've got to ask her that. That's excellent. You said that because my, my favorite high school coach of all time, Vic Stump, my swim coach, who was super motivational, his wife was this, still is beautiful blonde. They're in their 20s, you know, they were a young couple hot out of college that got the jobs at the school. Yeah. She's like she so they're they're both like 25, 26, and she's like this svelte, gorgeous, drool over blonde art teacher. I mean, she was, I mean, she'd walk by and we'd all, you know, get soft a little bit. <laughs> anyway, she was the art teacher. I wonder if she made that. I've got to ask her. So um, you're still you're you still have a relationship with her after all these years. 
Uh, not with her. No, I do not. Have I mean, friend, friendship, friendship, but friendship. I have a friendship with my coach. <laughs> Sorry, coach, coach bad Dick choice. Stump. Are you Dick saying Stump, who, D- who, Dick uh, Stump? You, you know, because those coaches are so important. The things yeah. that they drill into your head at a young age. And one of the things he always said to us was, whether you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. Now, can you swim another 200 yards and can you do it in under three minutes? <laughs> we already did 10, coach. Can you do it? Whether you no. say you can or you say you can't, you're right. You're... Yeah. <laughs> can you do it? Yes. <laughs> it. Are, you still, are you still a swimmer by the way i i am a poor swimmer um oh wow the, I, I i i uh you know i ended up playing football and it it uh so the, so the vertebrae in my neck are are kind of like turning my head to the side or lifting my head up is Oof. kind of painful. football does that mm. oh, oh i remember the two hits that did it too Mm. One was a teammate in practice. Ugh. Another one was a running back who who got to play in the pros on the bench for a couple of years. I used to remember his name, but I don't remember it now. Yeah, it was un- unbelievable. Unbelievable hit. First play of the last play of my scene, of my football career. First play of the last game. Yeah. Knocked me Oof. out. The only time, only time in my life I've been knocked out. The nice thing about that is that it erased any of those stupid boyhood dreams that I had any talent enough to play in any that anybody would ever pay me to play the game. Right. Because you want, I, I think just about every college football player thinks, you know, maybe if I put on a little more weight and you know I can make it in the pros. You, you like to harbor that. Right. Right. I do two a days and uh, work on my speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah, no way. After that game, and, and you know, you, you talk about you know some of the some of the people that go into pro sports don't have the greatest personalities. So I go up to him after the game, <laughs> and I say to him, "Man, I have run over. Every, I was a defensive tackle. Okay, and this is not bragging, but I flattened every running back I ever hit. Hmm. Knock him in the backfield. No one, no one could do it. It was they didn't try to run on the right side of the line." Teams just didn't do it. I could create a pile or knock people in the backfield. I had, at the time, some of the strongest legs on the team. So I walked up to that guy and I said, you know, I, I've been flattening running backs for four years. Seriously, I've never been hit like that. And he just he just, he just, just looks at me and just like, <clears throat> walked away, <laughs> never said a thing. He just grunted at me and walked away. Like Mongo from Blazing right. Saddles. Yeah, he was just trying to draw. Hulk smash. I guess you. I guess we're not going to be friends. Right. Guess you don't want to go to Pizza and Pipes later. It's like I just gave you a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as a running back, you speared me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's kind of like what Bo Jackson did to Brian Bosworth back in the day, where he just mowed him over, oh, and carried yeah. him down the field. Oh. Never forget that. Never I was that. at the Oakland Raider game that Bo Jackson hurt his hip for the last time. Mm. Oh, really? I was oh, at wow. that game in the Coliseum, yeah. In what what year did you move down to L.A.? Okay, oh, well, the transition to L.A., I should describe very quickly. Uh, so I'm in, I'm, in the, I'm in Central, and I'm doing well in the drama department. I'm a music major first. My, and then I became a business major because my dad was, like, just freaking out about me 
wanting to play the piano. Mm. Oh, you know, a similar, you know, this is a mm. similar tie into the guy that the football player that was so much better than me. Um, when I was a <laughs> when I was a freshman, there was a guy named Jim Washburn who was a freshman also. People would stop and watch him play the piano. And I knew that if I practiced eight hours a day for the next four years, that I wouldn't be as good as this guy. You know, somebody with yeah. magic fingers. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like complex chord structures flow out of their fingers like they're breathing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was amazing. And so that was part of the reason I didn't, I gave up thinking I could be a professional piano player. I mean, I, you know, think about the years. I wanted to be Elton John. But that didn't work out. Uh, anyway, so uh, I, didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to tell anybody that I really wanted to be an actor. So I, I'm condensing the story quite a bit. But I, I, so I secretly, without telling anybody, wrote letters to Screen Actors Guild and Actors Equity saying, do you guys recommend schools? Because how the heck are you going to- Smart. How can you get from Ellensburg, Washington to a professional career? Right. Well, let's get some training. I'm, I, I believe in training. So- they sent back foreign letters. They get this letter all the time. I've since learned, of course, it's a couple of people on the planet that want to be actors. It said, we don't recommend schools, but these books do. And, and the book they recommended mm -hmm. was Acting Professionally by Dr. Robert Cohen. The Ellensburg Central Washington University Library had the book. Unbelievable. Oh. Whoa. Winning. Yeah. I sent out letters to all the schools, got the application forms, auditioned. Uh, for the University of California Irvine at the San Francisco Opera House like two months later and basically got a full ride to the University of California Irvine for their oh. three-year Master of Fine Arts program. So the transition from Ellensburg to Hollywood was buffered by this three being buried in a three-year training program, wow. you know, 45 miles south of Hollywood. Right. So the proximity to Hollywood and the fact that I had a business degree, I think were the two tools that uh, accelerated my Hollywood career. Because at the beginning of my second year, I asked myself, what are the barriers to getting a job? Well, you, how do you enter the market? Well, you survive an audition. And I wanted it so badly that the dragon and nerves that showed up inside me was just explosive. And it, mm -hmm. and it detonated so many auditions i i knew i was a better actor than the guy that went and auditioned yeah because you're just so you how badly you wanted it's 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 beautiful actually it's i wish i wish i had me to tell me brian those nerves that dragon that's showing up is is energy it's beautiful all you're gonna do is just harness it and you're gonna be yeah. fine but mm. man i was scared at the time so I would sneak up to Hollywood. There's a rag called Drama Log, and go audition for you know an open call or an equity waiver play that I I, I couldn't do because of the school schedule. I would just go do the audition. Oh, and yes. by the end of that third year, I mean the second year, I I started getting offering the jobs, and and a, and a couple of them I was able to pull off with school. I was in uh, I got a job singing in uh, the musical. Uh, bittersweet uh shirley jones was the uh you know the mother from the partridge family yeah 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 uh was the lead in the the first equity musical that i i ever got to participate in which was bitter bittersweet 
Long Beach Civic Flight Opera, but a, a, a three thousand seat auditorium it was a beautiful experience. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was it was big down there. And uh, uh, then I also got a job playing the evil villain Taurus Mordor for the summer at Universal Studios Tour, <laughs> where where so now I'm in Hollywood. I rented I rented a, a bedroom from one of the guys in Bittersweet who lived in in Van Nuys. And then I, uh, he had access to a word processor. You know, word processors were very expensive. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah. And so he was able to spit out 37 letters to the top 37 agents in Hollywood that summer that looked like they were all, you know, typed one at a time. I mean, that's, that was the, the cool thing with word processors. Anyway, I, you know, I, I got uh, nine. So cool. Out of the 37 letters, I got nine interviews, which is insane. That is great. Wow. And I got and I got to pick my all nine of them wanted to sign me. That's incredible. Ridiculous, yeah, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's and really I signed special. With, I signed with the best one. And uh, by the end of my third year, I'm just giving you over a lot of fun things. But by the end of my <laughs> third year, I had I got five SAG jobs and made fifty thousand dollars my last year in school. Holy cow. Were I was you... a full-on professional actor. I would say halfway through that third year, wow. I had enough money right. that I could live on. I mean, you, you were probably making more than most SAG members uh, at that time, for sure. Was was it? Were you, were you starting commercially? I think if you make $5,000 today, you're making like triple it's... the amount that most SAG members Yeah. Make. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when there's 150,000 members in SAG. Mm -hmm. Anyways, oh sorry, interrupt. What was your question? Did you did you start commercially, or, or uh, were uh, you both, going both. both? Yeah, you you had a commercial agent, and that was a different agency. And I'm not I'm not that commercial, you know. For uh, you know, McDonald's isn't going to ask this you know skeletal like face to sell their hamburgers. <laughs> Buy this hamburger, oh. or I'm going to rip your face off. You know I, mean? And, uh, I mean, it would get me to buy one. <laughs> In one of those auditions that I was doing just to get experience, I'm standing on, on I, I think it was Melrose or, or Beverly outside the theater in line with, you know, 20 other guys. And uh, this guy looks at me and he says, hey, you know, you do, wow, you got a really good face for a heavy. I'm like, what's a heavy? And he looks at me like I'm the dumbest guy in the world. I'm like I, what, what's a heavy and so like, you don't, you don't know what a heavy is you know yeah. the you know the the muscle the guy that the guy yeah. that beats the guys guys up for the boss you know you know yeah. heavy like oh that's a heavy because <laughs> <laughs> when you're in college there's no i don't know of any play that has a heavy in it right so you're doing yeah. the best plays ever written you're doing this amazing literature right i don't i mean I, I there's gotta be a heavy in some place somewhere right there's no no heavy in equus no i mean it would be a guy that just goes around you know being the muscle or the assassin and so that was uh that was it and then a year out of a year out of college like a year and a month i started auditioning for cobra oh and go back oh the terminator I got that job when I was in college. Like wow. I auditioned for it in, I don't know, January or February of, of 1984. 
Wow, what a trip! And then, uh, and then, like a year and in, in four months after that, I I uh, started auditioning for Cobra. That those auditions took like over a month. There was six auditions wow. on the screen test. I bet. And then I and then I was in. I was, you know, playing opposite the number one box office star in the world. A, you know, a year and three months out of college. It was, uh, you know, the door the door had, you know, eked open a little bit. It was it was really that's, remarkable. That's very cool. Can you talk? I'm um, sorry, uh, just about you mentioned the Terminator, and you're obviously like one of the you and Bill Paxton are the first people murdered by Arnold, uh, quite we prefer, spectacularly. We prefer to say terminated. Yeah, terminated. I mean, let's. Okay. You're right. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep it uh, in the in the, the correct uh, the vernacular. vernacular of the genre. Um, but do you, do you remember anything about that audition? Oh yeah. The Terminator audition, uh, vividly because it was to this date, it's probably the smallest room I've ever auditioned in. There was just enough room for a picnic table, you know, when it was folding cheap ass picnic tables, yeah. there was, there was three chairs behind it and just enough room for the door to swing open. Cause I'm sure that was like the, the most, the most room they could afford. Right. And there were. And if memory serves me correctly, I believe that the two people sitting behind the desk, the producer and the director had perms, you know, the, okay. uh, perms. Yeah. So I think Jim, I think Jim Cameron and Galen Hurd had a perm. Uh, <laughs> I was, but I was 23 years old and they were, yeah, 22, 23. Yeah. And they said they were making a movie with Arnold and I did the lines and Jim said, I believe it. And I left. That was wow. the audition. Amazing. Wow. That was That's it. a trip. We shot the scene. All was well. And then like two, three, four weeks later, they call up. They say, we're going to reshoot it. And I, I haven't seen anybody say, and I never asked Jim Cameron why they were reshooting. So we shot the whole scene again. What would no? I was in a three and a half hour Shakespeare play. And the director wouldn't let me out of it. And, mm. and if you if you did not show up for your play, uh, you could be expelled from school. Oh boy! Yeah, but, you know, here it's, it is. Yeah. You know, I got what two months to graduate. Stressful, right? So my, my call time was eight o'clock. The curtain time for the three and a half hour play was eight o'clock. Mm. A little bit of a conflict. Yeah, so he wouldn't even let me out of the curtain call. Even though I found another, it was, and I was doing a bit part, um, but this is, I have never found more rampant incestuous politics than at a university, at a university. Mm. I have not witnessed it in the professional world. And to a fact, he was uh, having sex with one of the students who I had, a, I had had some conflicts with. Okay, and I more we, politics. I, did this come into play? And this, this, you know, well, this is rampant. I ended up teaching the the film acting class there when they were looking for a full time professor, uh, and that was what mid nineties, yeah, mid nineties, probably or late or early two thousands. Hmm. They won't let you in a classroom now without taking this like two hour long sexual harassment do's and don'ts course 
Whoa. And back then, if you weren't having sex with your students, you really weren't in the professor club. <laughs> anyway, he wouldn't let me out of it. I parked my car at the loading dock. As soon as the curtain came down, Brian was in a sprint to his car. Yeah. I drove 104 miles an hour up I-5 at midnight oh. on, on a, it was a Friday night, a Thursday or Friday night, to get to Griffith Park Observatory. <laughs> You know, tires squealing. Have you guys, you guys driven the road up to Jersey? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, <laughs> and I'm almost crying the whole uh, day, you know? Yeah. Right. Panicking. Right. You can't call anybody, really. Like, I'm on there, my way. I find somebody with a walkie talkie and says, Brian Thompson, I'm here. Can you tell me how, how we got to the scene? And, they go, and the person goes, Oh, Brian, we're not going to get to that scene for hours. No. Oh, yeah. wow. But that, but there was no cell phones then. You know, right. Who, yeah. Who, yeah. How could you get a hold of somebody at the Griffith Observatory, you know, after midnight? Right. You couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, stressful. That is so stressful. Yeah. And, and, and on top of it, all the drama, literally and figuratively, at, back at the college. Yeah, you like that? And then, the, and then the quick thing about the Terminator, the very last shot of the movie, of the filming of the entire Terminator movie, because this was a reshoot. It was the very last, it was the wrap shot was my face laying in the blood on the concrete in front of those telescopes. And wow. we had run out of daylight and they had completely covered the telescope area with a trellis with the black dubatine so that no sunlight could get in. So it still looked like it was night. I mean, what you're looking at is night behind us when they're shooting, that's black curtains. Uh, and so as soon as uh, they said, cut, wrap that's a wrap with my i'm still laying on the pavement you know with my face in the blood because they don't want me to move because they might have to shoot it again and as soon as they said they, they checked the gate and all that i was able to get up and they yank the the dubatine off the trellis just from complete darkness to bam the oh. sun, it's like nine o'clock in the morning maybe eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning I mean, i'm blind <laughs> exactly and i'm i'm i've been laying in blood right and i but everybody wants to go home they've been there for 14 of course hours. yes so, I, so i'm just like i'm just kind of hey i could i get a towel <laughs> and everybody's gone you know so i everything is scattered like just boom everybody's headed to their cars because we were right next to the parking lot oh my god and I wander back to my trailer and I start cleaning myself up with paper towels and, <laughs> and, Gosh. you know, I, and it was, as I walked to my trailer, it was like, you know, I, the voice said, welcome to Hollywood. Kid. Yeah. Does anyone have a wet nap or a, yeah. And it was to, to be, to be a, a little more nap. graphic because, you know, it was Arnold had to hold his fist inside a hole in my t-shirt full of blood. Right. Mm -hmm. So while he's holding that, what's, is is a hand porous can you can you stop water or liquids from running between your fingers not well. right no did that take a couple of times so all that blood had managed to travel down my abdomen uh-huh and it kept traveling and it yep. kept traveling so <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time cleaning up the nether regions there was uh, you know, wiping blood off. Which oh was, my god! Which honestly, was maybe that's why I really have, and I think I've had a hard time dealing with stage blood since then. 
<laughs> what a surreal night. Well, and the other thing that made it so surreal is that, you know, all the James Dean movies, were, well, well, two of them were shot up at such an iconic location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You had more um, sweat than blood in Cobra, right? Sweat to blood ratio. <laughs> Boy, you're... 50-50? You know what? I'd be in trouble if I had to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Statistics was a great class. That's a, a, a probabilities. Everybody, Important you know, class, too. Yeah. Really, uh, that, should be a, that should be required. I got a C in it, so I took it over to improve my GPA. Okay. I took it a second time, sat through the whole class again, and got a C again. Oh, it's man. Complete, almost a complete waste of time. <laughs> almost, almost. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, well, just the experience of doing it and again. The, yeah, you know, exactly. Practice. Exactly. <laughs> be like, if you, like if you took the same, you know, piano course over again, then, you're, well, you're, you, you probably were better when you finished the second time than the first. Well, that's that's absolutely true. You'd hope. Absolutely true. Yeah. My son, you know, takes the same swimming classes over and over and over again. How old is he? He's eight. Uh Oh, that's that's now that that's the age where they really kind of go on the competition, right? They understand. They do. He's not a competitive kid, but my father and my father is a former Navy SEAL. Uh, He was a SEAL in '68, and uh, and and he. My dad has had a big influence on my son wanting to be good at swimming, proficient at swimming. Wait, well, let's let's not skip to your son. Uh, <laughs> let's go to you. Let's go to your childhood. Those seals are what the, what is tough to them will kill most people. So, I, I with that kind of environment, I could, if I was a seal, I'd look at my son, and it would be really hard for me to not see him as a pussy wimp. <laughs> yeah well so, I'll, so I'll tell you a quick could, so are, are you okay have you well i'll therapy? show you my therapy bills and i i i yes i have had therapy and my dad now is a he meditates and he uh does yoga on a semi-regular basis and he was a former firefighter as well for 20 years and outside of detroit so uh he went from being a seal to a firefighter a total badass and wow. yeah our relationship was uh my dad was a loving guy to an extent, but there was definitely a wall there. Um, me learning to swim and almost drowning and my brother rescuing me, my dad going, well, you didn't drown. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. Um, that wasn't yeah. always the best thing. Well, and now now that you have some age to know what your dad did, you can't comprehend that when you're in grade school, junior high school. No. Even high school, you start to get a glimpse. And then, right. And then you get angry at, in high school, you know? Yeah. But golly, what he did. That's I mean, he could tell you stories. I'll, I'll tell a, I'll tell a quick story that he shared with me. Uh, he and a bunch of trainees were in, in the ocean uh, on the coast and they had to survive overnight in the middle of winter and they're freezing their asses off. 
basically huddling on rocks trying to stay warm. And their master chief says, okay, well, when you guys are done, I've got hot coffee in the Jeep. You can come meet me up there. And one by one, my dad saw these guys failing, giving up, walking up to the Jeep, getting hot coffee as the night went on. And he and maybe two or three other guys survived that night. And those are the only ones that went on to further training. Because ah. once you gave up, once you went to that Jeep, you're done. But did wow. they get coffee? They did get their coffee. Okay. The seduction of hot coffee when your when your yeah. bones are starting when your marrow is starting to cause you to panic, right? Mm -hmm. right? Uh, right. Anyways, yeah. I mean, I could tell you more stories, but um, save that for another podcast. Oh <laughs> uh, um, well, thank you know, thank your dad for me. My dad is a Korean War veteran, and oh, there you he go. Is no he's no longer with us. He died at 68. He's been dead for 24 years, which mm. is a, which is a, is a, is horrible. It's a horrible thing that that happened. He, yeah. He, his lungs scarred over. Uh, he was subject to inhaling some pretty remarkably toxic shit. Oh, that's him, man. right? That's him. That's your dad. That's my dad. I took that picture with his that's camera cool. when I was a senior in high school. And that that picture got a few ribbons at the local photo competition. Great photo. It's great photo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to I hate to jump off that awesome subject, but but I have to tell you, in Cobra, you were nightmare inducing to me as a child. But I think that's what what ultimately made me enjoy cinema even more was that this character could be so compelling to the fact that I would wake up having bad dreams. <laughs> you know. Um, but behind the scenes, I'm sure was a totally different story. I'm hoping it was. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience on Cobra? Well, it, you know, you use the word nightmare. And for some of the things that happened, it unfortunately was that way. And I, mm. and it does fall in, you know, Sly, if you ever see this, it does fall on your lap a bit. And I know that you have, you know, we all have difficulties that we're going through and <laughs> thank god it wasn't me trying to wrangle brigitte nielsen at the time uh, or or, no. contemplate, or contemplating marrying her yeah uh there is you know coming out of college where you're exploring human behavior and and plays that have a purpose and and they're grounded in philosophy and morality and they have lessons in humanity and then you get on this film set that's supposed to be the, you know, and they didn't seem to really care much about the character in the story. Hmm. Visually, yeah, they got that part right. It certainly looked scary. And they got the actions right. But, you know, where I actually came from wasn't important. Where, where, why the Night Slasher was spewing out this, uh, this tale of, why he thought the world should be different, they couldn't justify it. I, I wrote my own creed, credo, mm. as to why he was doing that, but I still don't know why we were banging on those axes in the pool together. <laughs> I asked, why are, what does this mean? Just get in front of the camera, George Katsumatis would yell. Just get in front, just do it. Oh, yeah, God. But, 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 why are we doing what, what does this mean? Just do it. 
Be quiet. Oh, oh man. God. Yeah, he was he was a raving lunatic oh. when Sly wasn't there. And then when Sly would come on the set, he would just be like this little puppy dog who followed him around. Mm. Oh, God. That's not good. Sounds terrible. And Stallone, when Stallone was there, he was telling him where to set the cameras up and how he wanted the shot and what lens he wanted on the camera. That, you know, the famous shot of me saying the word pig, you know, Stallone had handed me the cup of water and said, I want I want you to spray it. He had them backlight it. So it was all, uh, and that was done in a pickup shot, like, gosh, a month or two after principal photography. Mm. So it, it, and Brigitte wanted, oh God, she was like sexually active. She wanted, she wanted to control as many men with her sexuality as possible. And that was, and, and that, that caused Sly to be, to be jumpy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. understandable. Why? <laughs> that sounds terrible too. Yeah. It, yeah I mean, she, she like <laughs> during the, um, during the screen test, my screen test, she came in my little uh, trailer and took her shirt off in front of me. And she was wearing nothing but a black lace see-through bra and stood right next to me. Hmm. And every male corpuscle <laughs> was lit. And thank God I had um, I think she would have like gotten me fired off the film in a heartbeat, you know, and I, I, wow. What was she doing? I don't know. What was she doing in your, in your trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Well, it's, okay. Contextually, it the, just sounds like, right. Well, <laughs> at the start of the, at the start of the screenplay, we were in the makeup trailer and she's there with the two makeup people. And she says, Brian, do you have any, you know, I, all I brought was this, she had this, I think it was a white lace skimpy top on, you know, very feminine thing with a lot of showing a lot of cleavage. And she said, I, I don't want to get makeup on this. Do you have something that I can wear? And I said, well, all I've got is this white tank top. This, it was, I think it was, I think it said Levi's on it. Right. Oh my God. She said, oh, she said, that would be fine. Like, so oh. right in front of the two makeup people, this, she, for the first time, she takes off the white lace blouse. Yep. And wearing this black lace see-through bra, the two makeup people are like getting to the ends of the trailer. Like they don't want to be there. They don't want to see this. No. Smart. And she takes my she takes my tank top and she puts it on over her black lace see-through bra. So she was returning the tank top at the oh, end of the screen uh, test. I see. With the door closed. Mm -hmm. And then um sandal bergman had had just done red sonia and she had told me that that brigitte nielsen had almost you know tore apart uh schwarzenegger and shriver marriage oh, and she said brian he, she she grabbed me by sandal grabbed me by the shoulders and said brian you stay away from her do you understand me you stay away from her she is evil 
<laughs> Love Sandal Bergman, by the way. Sandal Bergman's fantastic. She's great. Oh, golly. Uh, Sandal Bergman and I actually, in the, we dated for a little bit back in those days. Yeah, Sandal, I don't know if you ever see this. Love you. Wish you well. <laughs> and so I drove home that day from the screen test. And I'm I'm on the I'm on the 405, and all I smell is her because when she of gave course. me my t-shirt back, it was covered with her perfume. Yep. <clears throat> but you survived the screen test. I mean, think about even surviving the screen test, because it could have easily gone like, right? If somehow oh, Sly, yeah, Sly yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. whose I shirt was, is this? Yeah. 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 I I was so yeah. I was so focused. I knew the importance of the situation. Yeah. I was able, yeah. I was able to like just rear view mirror that really quickly. Yeah. Get back yeah. on, you know, lines, 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 put my head in the character. And then since we went down this road, I gotta tell you, the greatest getting uh the news that you got a job story ever please yeah. in my life at least so i told you i was playing the evil villain taurus mortar in the conan show universal studios yeah well, at that point i'd been doing the job for like a year and three months i was able to keep it while i finished my last year of school by working um friday saturday and sunday and every other wednesday the two full casts would do it every other wednesday i was able to give that to another actor okay so imagine a job where you have you work for 11 minutes and have three two-hour lunches imagine that the people you're working with are barely wearing clothing especially red sonia in a leather bikini and conan yeah. in a leather bikini and that you have beds and showers mm. and rooms to sleep in and rooms to play games in and barber chairs and telephones and bathrooms and 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 a stack of condoms I, no i don't mean that I, anyway what is this but, van halen this is if you seriously if you take the hijinks of animal house and you square it i don't know that you would equal what we were doing backstage at the conan show wow yeah wow, it was wow. i mean one time one of the red sonia's i come off stage and two of the warriors are she's the barber chair is fully reclined in the makeup room and one warrior each warrior has a hand on her breast and they're they're massaging her breast and i'm like sure oh uh she she just had you know implant surgery and she needs the massage so the scar tissue doesn't uh, uh oh build up God. and i'm like Fair. right and i said oh yeah brian give it a shot <laughs> give I'm it in. a shot brian <laughs> So I absolutely I participated in her physical therapy. Okay. What so anyway, that was that's the first time I told that story. You got a first story out of me. Exclusive. I, I don't remember. Anyway, we did it. so we did it. back to these this audition. So we we had all gotten most of us had gotten you know SAG jobs throughout the course yeah. of the year. And we're yeah. always rooting for each other. We're a team. We're of course the, the uh and <clears throat> so they knew of every audition, Brian, what happened this week? Brian, what happened this week? They knew it. Everybody knew I'd had the screen test. And when you came off stage, the dressing room was bedlam. You know, you're all sweaty. You've, you've just performed. It's, you know, who knows what you're going to find. And you're like, like the one time, who knew? <laughs> right. Who knew? I get off stage. I'm the last person to come up the stairs to join the cast because I have to, I, you know, did this little 
18 foot fall through a ring of fire and I had to come up from underneath the stage. Hmm. And so I come up the stairs to the dressing room. The whole cast is there, dead silent. There's like a gauntlet, you know, four people on one side, three on the other. And at the other end of the hallway, Lori Benson, makeup artist, she's holding the phone. She says, Brian, it's your agent on the phone. Marker, we take the phone. My agent, Cynthia, says, Brian, you got the job. And I went, guys, I, I got the job. <laughs> and it just exploded. Uh, I mean, people were dancing and just grabbing me. They tackled me. They threw me on the floor. Red Sonia, God bless her, <laughs> rubbing her God tits in my face. <laughs> they're punching me and they're screaming. They're, it was just this this explosion of joy, all of us together. You know, we all got that job that day. Yeah. And that that call could have come, you know, an hour later when I got home. It could have been a thing on the answering machine where I came in and told one person and everybody already knew I got the job. Right, but it right. happened in this beautiful environment with my friends. It was, it was, that was a great moment. That's really special. That is beautiful. That's really special. And unfortunately, it happened so early on in my career that I've never had such a fun get the news you got the job <laughs> since. Yeah. How special, though, That's that you incredible. did have that moment. And then think about how many people have never had that moment, right? Yeah. Well, and you know something in the, you know, we've I've had therapy also. I think therapy is absolutely fantastic. And one of the tools yeah. that somebody gave me, they, you know, they said, Brian, think of, because going through, you know, I, divorce was, was really harsh, especially mm -hmm. when child custody is an issue. Brian, I want you to think, give, tell me when you were happy, when something caused you joy, when you, and that's the moment yeah. that, that's the moment that I came up with in therapy to, to that, uh, because it was so all consuming. It was such a, you know, all that joy, you could just feel it vibrating in every, every cell in your body. So that's, that's the moment that that was, that was the one. That's so cool. That's so cool. And, and you're right. You have had, you've had, you've had an amazing career, <laughs> amazing career. And we've actually uh, talked about your career quite a bit in, in, in different circles. Um, I want to talk about Miracle Mile. Sure. Uh, because we, we actually, we met Steve Desjardins at a screening of Cherry 2000 at the, um, what was the name of that theater we saw him at, Dustin? Uh, we were at an Occidental College. Occidental College. So we were yeah. at one of the, one of the screening rooms there. For Rocks, a uh, uh, former college. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. And and he and I and we had brought up Miracle Mile. He talked fondly about Miracle Mile, and I I believe at that time I brought up your name to him because I said, you know, I loved Brian Thompson in that, and how different it was seeing you in that film playing a type of character that was not a character I would have expected you to play at that time, because up until that point, I'd only seen you playing quote unquote, the heavy in many roles. Um, Miracle mile. Like, was that just a new experience for you? A fun experience? Not so much or what? Oh, loved it. The, the only, 
Steve the Giant, you, you yeah, obviously met him. He's he's obviously very cerebral. He's a writer as well. Yes. He is somebody who would I to ask him if I would have asked Steve the Giant why we were banging actors together in the school in the pool, he'd <laughs> he'd have had a good answer. Right. He would right. he would or he would or it wouldn't have been in the script. Um, right. Did Steve tell you how I got that job? How I ended he up did, being? He did not. We're gonna have him on the show later this year, but uh, please. Tell well, us. then I want you to give him a hard time for not telling you how I got that job, because it's, <laughs> it's kind of one of those in my in the spikes of how I get a job in my in my career. It's one of the spikes, you know, when it's off, off the graph a bit. My father was his science teacher. Oh, really? What? At, yes. At R.A. Long High School, Longview, Washington. Yes. As far wow. as I know, to this day, Steve and I are the only people who have had careers out of Longview, Washington. Wow. And our parents were friends. And they were, uh, articles had come out in the Longview Daily News about us when they were talking, hey, our kids are in Hollywood again. I know my son's doing it. And I, I think Steve's mom told Steve that, I, hey, you know, Brian, oh, Bert, Bert's son is down there in Hollywood, why don't you give him a call? So Steve called me in and God bless Steve. He didn't even have me read. He gave me the part without um, without having to audition. Wow. And you're what like you... a bodybuilding helicopter pilot. Helicopter pilot with a boyfriend. With a boyfriend. Yes. Okay, buddy, fly a helicopter. Hey, I can. You can fly a chopper. <clears throat> Bell jets, Hueys. Pretty rusty to come back, though. I'll need bucks. Whatever you want, okay? But we gotta go now. It's it's not really for a transplant, right? We'll all be dead if we don't get out of here. It's a matter of minutes. What's the problem? Toxic fire, cyanide. The wind's starting to blow in this direction. A lot of people are gonna die. We gotta go now. Your shit like that's coming down. I gotta bring somebody, okay? Oh, look, man, there's no time. Then shoot me. Which, let's be honest, at that time in the 80s, that was somewhat of a taboo. Absolutely. And that's that's the kind of guy that Steve is. You know, your sexual orientation is unimportant to you as a person. You know, it's like, I mean, almost most people in the world, what takes place in their bedroom, they would be very embarrassed by. Or if you had to be judged <laughs> right. by what, you did in the bedroom and you judged by that it's just not right. something you should be judged by ever it just hurts it hurts that we even have to have these conversations that that, that, that it's, it's just nuts like what no stop wasting breath on this and let yeah let it be and then oh one more quick thing about steve to in cherry 2000 i uh i'm not cherry america mile <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in Cherry 2000. Uh, I got a job. Do you remember the, did you ever see the Bud Light commercials where, uh, but I wanted a Bud Light was the tagline of all these uh, Bud Light commercials. Remember oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, there was one that was all at Quest for Fire where the, you know, the guy runs and he brings back the flame. You know, he fights off saber tooth tigers and swims the deepest fjord and braves quicksand. And he gets back to the caveman chief and the guy's like, Man, but I wanted a Bud Light. 
Well, I got, that's the only national commercial that I've ever got in my life. I was one of the cavemen behind the chief. And, and this is all I did. <laughs> that's it. That was it. That's what it takes to get a national commercial on a Bud Light commercial. And I'm so <laughs> glad I did because it paid my mortgage for three years. I'm sure it did. Because right? those commercials were hysterical and they ran yeah. a wonderful long time. And they got me drinking Bud Light at the time. Anyway, that commercial shot during the day and Miracle Mile shot at night. Hmm. So that, I'm not, I'm pretty sure it was two days of Miracle Mile at night. And so I, when we shot the scene in the gym, I'd been up for 36 hours. Oh, brutal. Which would be nothing for a, a Navy SEAL, but for me, it was brutal. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, they do that. I mean, my God, for a normal anyway, person, I, yeah. my voice, I couldn't get. And Steve, after we were done shooting, you know, weeks or months later, said, Brian, we're going to loop your scene. I'm like, oh, actors hate to have to loop their scene. So I go to look at it and I go, oh, crap. My <laughs> voice was that weak during that. So that was a wonderful lesson with Steve. We spent the time and every one of my lines in that gym scene is looped. Oh, wow. Oh, really? And we we just worked on it until we got it perfect. Wow! And, it was, and that was a great lesson for me to know that you could improve your performance in post. Mm, That's where you know there's that cliche saying, "Fix, we'll fix it in post." Fix it in post. It had yeah. more energy. That the voice was more masculine, more meaty. Yeah. Uh, way it was a wonderful improvement. So then in other situations, like when we shot Mortal Kombat, I I had I got dysentery and lost like 20, what? 25 pounds the last two oh. weeks of shooting. And I couldn't talk much greater than this. So all the final scenes in the temple, that's that's all looped too. And I knew that looped. I could I knew that I could fix it when we were there. Cause I mean I, if I didn't if we didn't keep shooting, the whole crew would have had to stay there longer. I laid on a cot beside the set. <clears throat> And then when it was time to, I'd get up. That was so lightheaded and it was oh so my God. It was just oh gosh. And the emergency rooms in Bangkok were not pretty places. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but I love being in Bangkok. That's the happiest people I've ever, happiest culture I've ever got to be with. It's remarkable, you know, the the Buddhists, and that they believe that they're the truth is always being revealed. So you, you know, you're talking about not judging. Well, yeah. I believe this, but it, I'm totally open to believe something else. Yeah. You know, if you give me the evidence. Right. Right. Yeah. Just the, I mean, these people were working in miserable conditions and there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoying themselves. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Mortal Kombat, there's like a hundred guys in the background doing backflips and punching each other take after take after take and they'd yell cut and they'd get up and dust themselves off and laugh and like just, oh my God. so a little dysentery that's just a little uh, yeah laugh that off yeah yeah it, was, uh... <laughs> it sounds sounds brutal well you know you know i you make me think of uh you kind of got brought to us through sheldon Ledich and you had obviously made Lionheart with Sheldon, but prior to that, you made a movie called Firefight, uh, a short film that finally saw the light of day not that long ago. Um, 
your relationship with Sheldon Lettich is is firefight what led to Lionheart? Absolutely, hundred percent. That also happened when I was in college. Yeah, it was after my second year. The uh, during that second year, I got involved in reading books about Vietnam, and it was a it was just as it was. I had this you know, ethos about it. Just, it, it got me in the gut how I had missed that by just a few years. Yeah. That I could be the guys that are in these books. I read Nam, I read Dispatches, I read Michael Harris' book and was just, oh, I was pained by it. I was pained by what these poor, I, I had so much sympathy for, for all of the veterans of all of the wars, then my father, the Korean War, and since just the absurdity of it, and it just pained me. And I saw that these they put a little blurb in drama log, and I, I was mailing up. It was part of my plan to audition for as many things as I could. Mm-hmm. But this one struck me as different. There's two Vietnam veterans, and uh, well, <laughs> you know, one Viet, as we learn later, one Vietnam veteran, one, one. Uh, stolen valor uh and so i auditioned and they cast me and it was uh it was one of those collegiate experiences where we dug our own foxholes and we carried our equipment up the hill and it was the very first experience i had with filming and i turned 23 years old on a hill in camp pendleton and i got to go my first helicopter ride it was so I've only been in a helicopter twice now. And uh, I got to go in a big double-bladed. I called it a Huey, and Sheldon corrected me in the interview. He said, I think that's a CH-46, if I remember correctly. The big double-bladed one with the ramp in the back. Yeah, he took me up in that for my birthday. So, what? So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I, that was my bonus for getting to work on Firefight. They didn't, I don't know that any other actors went up in it. Uh, so Sheldon and I stayed friends since then. That's great. And uh, and I had, you know, I was, though that was the end of the summer of my second year. And I had uh, accumulated a little money in the bank and they were looking for investors. So I actually, I'm actually one of the investors in Firefight. Oh, really? That was, yeah, that was, and it, it was structured as a loan. And loan is one, loan is, Sheldon is one of the two of, about 10 people that I've lent money to that paid, paid it back. <laughs> and that, you know, it says a lot about Sheldon's character. And I know you've talked to Sheldon. Sheldon's an encyclopedia. Man, does he remember names and facts. And he is such a, a war historian and a, yeah. and a worldwide global perspective that he has on even what's happening now. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's yeah. really, he's knowledgeable, but he's a genuine, he seems like a genuinely solid person. Oh, what he did, and it's, yeah, there's no, there's no heightened narration in him. You know, the guy that wants to, there's, he does not have any braggadocio DNA. No, no. He's this humble, you know, Jewish kid that did this. He did it. He was there. So his experience coming to the table is a totally different one from someone who has just simple knowledge of it. Oh, by the way. I didn't know anything about your show, but I read I read the title of your show. Uh-huh. And I said that was it. I'm in. 
Just from <laughs> right the title. Just Amazing. from the title, but swear to God, I said, I'm, I read $2 late fee and I'm like, boom, you got to do that. These guys Powerful. are, see, I love this. I love the vein they're going for. Oh, thank you. That that means a lot because we 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 come to our, our show is all about positivity through nostalgia and uh getting to tell these stories from you know from a time that we really love. And the two dollar late fee, I mean, we both worked at video stores back in the day and uh <laughs> gave out quite a few of those. Blockbuster? Dustin was blockbuster. Was blockbuster. I was at a video store called Video Man. So um <laughs> I could tell you some stories about that. Um what you can do in a rental box, I think, would probably be off the record. So, <laughs> uh, well, I our video store that we went to the most was on the corner of Vineland, uh, Camarillo, and Lancashire. There's a five way intersection right there. Yes. yes, yes. It was Odyssey. Is it Odyssey? Yes, yes. Yep. And you know they had the curtain in the back. Yep. For the adult section. Yep. <laughs> I did not go in that section. No, but, the, <laughs> but unfortunately, the people who had to work there did. Let the oh record be god. known, John. Oh my god! And I can honestly say I have never rented a or watched a porno. Good for you. Good for I you. Just, it's just like much. congrats. Um, I have you know when flipping through the channel sometimes in a hotel. Yeah. They yeah. flash oh. for like three seconds. Yeah, they do. And. <laughs> That was enough to make me go. Oh, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Ooh, I want to. I want this. I want this part of my life to remain beautiful and slightly <laughs> illusory. There you go. <laughs> well, Brian, I hope that you'd be open to coming back on the show at some point down the road because oh, this sure. has been this has been beyond wonderful having you on. Tremendous. Honestly, Thank you not to this. blow your heart. You guys, you guys had the best questions, seriously. It oh, pisses thanks. me off a little when <laughs> I get the same questions again. You know, yep. please, you know, probe my brain, dive in there and make me think. And thank you what? for thank you for doing that. Means a lot. Appreciate it. We're okay. we, uh, we've we've heard that before from some people, and, and it's always we're very gracious. Uh, a lot of gratitude for that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, going to conventions, I, I really most of the time am very happy about it, but it can get tedious when you've yep. heard the same grading. So yeah. Grading. It, yeah. Getting it's, it's, it's such a breath. It's like somebody opens up a door, you know, mm. like you're in a box and then they ask you a question and now you're not in the box anymore. It's a yeah. beautiful okay. analogy. Glad we could open the door. I'm glad yeah. we can be that for you. I've never yeah. used that analogy before, but it totally makes sense. <laughs> Look, there's been a few times today that things have come out of your mouth that you said you've never said before. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yep. I hope it's true. I love it. <laughs> I see a keyboard next to you. Are you a pianist? I am um, a pianist. Yeah, he is. Um, but I, much like the story you were telling us earlier, you know, it's like I. I do not practice and I do not, um, that's, I actually, that's, that's me. Yeah. I, I brought it out so that I would play it more. Um, but I'm that way with all my instruments. And like, once I get them out, like, and once, you know, it's like, I have a guitar that needs restringing. I just need to do it. I'm going to do something for you guys. Oh, Here. amazing. Oh, wow. This is, a this, treat. Is, this is the show's going to end. This is the, this is the segue out music. Okay. And thank you guys. It's been nice to be with you. Uh, there's something I wrote after my daughter was born, but it's always been like kind of the end of a song. 
I'm not, it's, no, it's just instrumental. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2 Lacey Podcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. Hey! Hi, Duke. Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win. Even in the 80s. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.